0: holy cannoli the warriors win game six becoming the 2022 nba champions is the guy who got the celtics championship banner tattoo doing okay what will the 14 year olds of nba twitter criticize steph curry for now and can aisha curry really cook all of these questions and more answered in this special post-game edition of the pod folks this is hoop show and welcome back to this special edition of Hoop Show, episode 12. This may be the first time, uh, depending on when I get this episode out by, uh, that a podcast has been up to, has an episode uploaded twice in one day. So this could be the special two-episode Thursday or something, who knows. But um, the Warriors, let's talk about actual basketball and not the podcast because who cares about the podcast itself right now. The Warriors just won game six, becoming the NBA champions of 2022. You heard it in the intro. You've probably already heard it. You know what's going on. Um, Steph Curry wins his first finals MVP. And I'm going to talk about the basketball here in a minute, Uh, the actual, like, on-court stuff. But it is good to see him get one of those because a lot of people who don't really watch basketball and criticize him for things that are trivial or things that are, you know, like... He should have won a Finals MVP in 2015, and of course Kevin Durant won them in 20 in those two games, in those two uh, series, final series that he played in, because he was incredible. And saying that, oh, he's not great because he doesn't have one, uh, is no longer even an argument for people. That you can't even say that's a stupid argument anymore because it's not one, because he has one. And he was clearly the best player in the series. Um, not just like, there was a video from, I think, uh, Jimmy Hyrule the other day of, um, the best players uh, in each final series if the finals MVP of each uh, final series if it wasn't uh, mandated that it go to the best player on the winning team and there were some teams where the opposing team had the finals uh, would have the finals MVP if they were the you know the the losing team I should say would have had the finals MVP if it went to losing players as well um, but you can uh, but for this series, there was no doubt. Uh, Jason Tatum would not have won it over Steph. Uh, Jalen Brown would not have won it over Steph. Um, those are the only two candidates on that team. You can not make an argument for anybody else, in my opinion. Um, and the thing about Steph for this game, for this series, was it wasn't just that he was the best player uh, on both teams, between both teams. It was the gap between him and the next best player in the series itself was gigantic. No one played anywhere close to his level. Um, he was on fire for multiple games. He had one dud, one dud of a game in Game uh, Five, where he was still impactful, still all around incredible. Um, but there was a run in this game where you could tell that if they wanted. You know this was gonna be a moment you remembered, and he hit. Uh, it was the third quarter. I don't remember if it was mid or late, uh, but he was he was the Al Horford battle. I think it was middle of the f- third quarter. It was the Al Horford battle where him and him and Otto Porter were going back and forth, and you could just tell that Steph was on a different level of shot making tonight. Maybe not as awesome as his uh, game four performance, but still, I mean, thirty four points. Here, let me pull up the actual uh, box score so I can get. The number is exactly right here. Uh, Yeah, 34 points, one block, two steals, seven assists, seven rebounds, six of 11 from three, 12 of 21 from the field. Uh, Ultra ultra efficient, as always, um, hitting 54.5% of his threes. Uh, The rebounding and assists, those have always been there, but people are going to be like, wow, he got rebounds. He's been one of the best rebounding guards for the last decade uh, ever, well, uh, close to a decade ever since his uh, 2015 season. Um, and, you know, this was an incredible series from Steph, and it really, um, it it's good to see that, that a lot of people that aren't very knowledgeable at the game can't make that stupid argument anymore. I really do. <laughs> I think that's one of the better things is that we can... Even the the dumbest basketball watcher can can no longer say uh, Steph Curry is bad or not as good as some of the greatest of all time because he doesn't have a Finals MVP. It's a dumb argument that has been laid to rest uh, because of the incredible play of him this series. Uh, Let's talk about the actual basketball in this game, though, after that. Uh, Congrats to Steph Curry on winning the uh, Finals MVP well-deserved, much-deserved, um, incredible performance from him. But let's talk about some of the other things from the Warriors in this game. I'm going to talk mainly about the Warriors because uh, they won. Uh, they deserve it more. <laughs> they deserve to be talked about more. Uh, the Celtics, there's a few key things, but not a lot changed for them. You could say the same about the Warriors, too, but um, it was kind of a similar story uh, to some of the other games. This was not a anomaly for the Celtics, I think. Uh, nothing, it wasn't a... Um, standout game of, like, badness for them. It was kind of like, if they were going to lose, this was how they were going to lose. Um, and if, if the Warriors were going to win, this was how they were going to win. Um, so for the Warriors, we got a Steph Curry Masterclass. Uh, I just said his box score, uh, but even in the eye test, you could tell that he was incredible tonight. Uh, we got, uh, without a doubt, the best Draymond Green game Um he was everywhere. I mean, his switching was incredible. Not switching, um, just his defense in general. His ability to, um, his ability to switch. His ability to um, get into the passing lanes and make these swipes at players. I remember specifically a play where Al Horford has him beat, and Draymond comes from behind and like perfectly times a swat out of it, and it ends up uh, the Celtics get another possession off it because it goes off Draymond but it saves a wide-open layup for Al Horford. And we all know how you know every single point in a finals, game, series, whatever, uh, is always super, super important. So saving just those two points alone uh, was huge. Um, so Draymond had a big game. Uh, his box score numbers were the best they've been all series. Um, I'll say them in a second, but I just remembered uh, he had uh, his best shooting game of the series, uh, without a doubt, which definitely impacted his overall effectiveness. Because if he doesn't hit the two threes that he hit this game, um, then who knows where the Warriors are at. Because these were uh, threes that the Celtics were giving him that they were daring him to hit. And up until this point in the series, he had not hit. And that is not hyperbole. Uh, when I say had not hit, I mean he was 0 for on however many he had took taken so far. And... Um, he hit two he hit two threes tonight and even a mid-range jumper 8 points of his 12 came from the jump or from the jump from the jump shot like that's insane for a guy that was not making any jumpers at all it's sure for someone like Steph or Clay that's like that's like a first quarter performance is like 8 points coming on jumpers but for Draymond that's a revelation that's insane but let me get to his overall box score which was uh, very impressive. All of, it just, it it just the box score proves the eye test of what you see out there. Which was that he was uh, rebounding well, assisting well, uh, well playmaking, and um, making spectacular defensive plays along with his rebounding, and occasionally getting buckets. <laughs> Bucket getter Draymond Green. Uh, final box score for him was twelve points, twelve rebounds, eight assists, two steals, two blocks. Five turnovers is not great, but I think it is the style the Warriors play, where they are uh, up tempo, moving fast. I know I remember specifically a couple plays where Draymond uh, would get a defensive stop or something. Uh, I think one time he specifically got a steal and immediately threw it in the uh, to the other side of the court to a guy streaking down the court um, to a player streaking down the court, not just some dude. Uh, that might happen at a Boston game. That's more likely to happen at a Minnesota game, I guess. But but um, he would throw it down to the guy running down the court, and um, it got immediately picked off. But that's just, like, I was thinking in the moment. I, re- I remember writing that down. I was like, what are you doing, Draymond? But then I thought it's like, those are the type of, like, cerebral plays where you, you know, he gambles on them, but he's been right on them so many times, and he was right on them a couple more times in this game itself, where you think... Okay, that alone, that one specific play wasn't great, but he has done this so many times and he's done it so effectively. He's one of the most intelligent basketball players on the court uh, and and certainly off the court too. His podcast is very enlightening and very insightful, Um, but on the court he is especially um, a genius uh, at some of these passes, at some of these abilities to open up spaces and play off of spaces and do all of his Draymond things? If you, it's hard to explain sometimes, but if you just watch him long enough, you know what I'm talking about—the Draymond um, playmaking thing, where he—I don't, I don't even know. Sometimes it's the roll. The classic one is where he'll set a, a roll or a pick for Steph, and get the pass from him on the roll, and then he'll br- his ability to um, finish at the rim will bring over a help defender, and he'll lob it to the guy, uh, to the big man at the rim. That didn't happen a lot in this game. It didn't happen at all, if I don't recall, uh, if I recall correctly. Um, but that's like the classic Draymond thing. He does so many other things, so many effective things at playmaking. Draymond was huge. Um, Draymond, this was the best Draymond game, and it came at the absolute perfect time, the best time for him to come alive. Um, after Draymond, uh, you got a Wiggins, Andrew Wiggins masterclass. We saw how impactful he was in... Game five, from a scoring standpoint, and he was certainly good uh, this game. Uh, the big thing for him in this game was the three-point shooting. Uh, last game, he didn't hit any threes. He was 0 for 6, if I'm not mistaken. And in this game, he was 4 for 9. Uh, that's a obviously a huge jump. Excuse me. Uh, but with Steph picking up his scoring load again, hitting threes, getting to the basket, making plays, getting buckets, uh, Wiggins didn't need to be the uh, bucket getter he was last game, which all, all his role was demeaned to, not demeaned to, was play defense, hit your corner threes. And he did that, plus he took nine other shots, um, which were also good. Like, he had 18 points, six rebounds, five assists, and this is where the real impact is. Four steals, three blocks. Four steals and three blocks is like defensive player of the year stuff. I don't know. I don't remember if Andrew Wiggins made a defensive, all defensive team this year, if he was first team or second team. I feel like we would probably be hearing about it if he was either one of those, especially first team. But that kind of performance, and we saw the effect he had on Jason Tatum as well. Not These numbers just back up the eye test. We saw what he did to Jason Tatum. Andrew Wiggins is one of the better defenders in the NBA or has become that. His evolution as a player is really um, I don't know if it's the, inspiring is the right word or but it's inc- it's been incredible to watch where everyone's talked about it. Everyone talked about it in the last game where he was in Minnesota. he was kind of a uh, what people would call an empty stats player. I don't agree with that term. I don't think it's a real thing, but I think he was he wasn't an empty stats player because he didn't have good stats. He had good scoring numbers. But he wasn't efficient. He didn't rebound. He didn't defend. You could tell that it was not Andrew Wiggins at his very best. Uh, it was contested mid-range uh, Wiggins without any of the uh, the improved shooting. It was not a good version. But then he comes to Golden State in um, 2019, if I'm not mistaken, uh, the the year I think I think it was the year that uh, COVID shut the league down. So I think that was um, 2019 2020. And they get these th- couple of years where they're bad, and they develop him. And he becomes um, the best version we've seen of him this year. All-star stutter. I said it last, uh, last episode, technically this episode, or <laughs> earlier yesterday. Um, but Andrew Wiggins, a uh, defensive guy, was on display. Uh, he's become the intangibles guy. Someone said, uh, someone I follow on Twitter, I can't remember, I think it may have been like Jackson Frank or something like that. that may, I think I'm thinking of Frank Jackson, the NBA player. But some guy on Twitter I follow, he said um, he's become Mr. The Little Things. And that's, it's, it's a silly little name, but it's entirely true. It's what he does. Um, Wiggins is Mr. Intangibles, Mr. The Little Things, and it's the role that he has excelled the best in. He doesn't have to be the primary scorer, but he can be in moments when your actual number one guy isn't there. He was uh, the second best player throughout this whole series. Uh, Not good enough to steal finals MVP from Steph, as some people were suggesting. Some people I know very well. (laughs) Um, Some people were suggesting that, and that was absolutely not true, but that should not take away. The fact that he didn't win finals MVP shouldn't take away just like all those years, Steph didn't win <laughs> finals MVP just because Andrew Wiggins didn't steal it away from Steph does not mean that his impact was not felt on the series on this games in particular and across his whole playoffs for him. He was incredible the whole time. Uh, not many duds from him, pretty consistent. Uh, Andrew Wiggins has transformed himself and become a superstar in his role. Um, I want to talk a little bit about Clay. He wasn't that good. He, it's not that important that I mention him. He only, he was 5 of 20, 2 of 8. People, this was not the game six Clay people were expecting, but I don't think he was that bad. He had a good first half. Um, after the second half though, or after the first half though, in the second half, in the second half, uh, it was definitely more of a, a effort from Steph Wiggins and the role players such as Otto who hit his two threes in that moment, they kind of like weird shootout. Um so I just wanted to briefly mention Clay, so I didn't forget about him, because he hes this game and this series. Well, this game he wasn't good, but he had a good um, three-game stretch. Which, without that three-game stretch, who knows if the Warriors win the series? Because his shooting was improved in those games, um, and was the best version we had seen of him in a little while um, in these in these playoffs. I would say maybe not like. Memphis game, M- Memphis game six, but like it was a very, it was a very, um, those three games were a good version of Clay, the average version of Clay that you would want. Um, this game was not good, but oh well, whatever. I don't think he cares. <laughs> um, it'll be interesting to see how, how he and Draymond, I guess, um, uh, continue to age. Uh, Steph Curry is obviously not aging at all. That guy is going to be incredible forever. It seems he's going to have. He might do like the LeBron James and just be awesome forever, um, which would be cool. For I, I think would be cool. But Draymond and Clay are clearly um, a little bit uh, past their prime. Obviously, Um, Draymond just got old. Clay got really hurt and a little old too. Um, So it'll be interesting to see in the upcoming uh, season. How the Warriors kind of combat that? I think it's going to be a result of more. It's going to be result. It's going to result in more Jordan Poole, more of the young guys. um, Whoever they draft this year, Um, that whoever they draft this year might probably not get a lot of play. Just depends on who they draft, I guess. Um, Arkansas fans, uh, (laughs) Jalen Williams is a is a possibility, which would be awesome. Having two Hogs that played on the same team. Fellow Arkansas fans, rise up. We're going to be on top this year. Uh, <laughs> that was just a little side ramble. Um, my brief Clay mention turned into a ramble about the aging um, the aging Warriors and mentioning of Jalen Williams. So let me get back on track and mention Jordan Poole, one of the younger guys who I mentioned just a second ago. Um, he had a good, I would say, a good uh, first half uh, and a non- negative second half. Second half was not near as impactful as he was in the, um, and I, I can't remember what quarter it was that he went on his little run. I think it was specifically at the end of the first where he hit that bank shot, or that bank shot three that went in, and then he was at the start, of I think that was kind of leaking into the second um, where he played really well. Um, Jordan Poole was very good. Um, well, I would say very okay, above average for a role player. Uh, way more than what the Celtics got out of their bench um i'm still want to talk about one more last player before i get to the Celtics bench but that's just know that's something i'm going to talk about and if you watched the game you knew that too uh gary payton was the last thing i want to talk about um he didn't have a great offensive game uh 6 points 3 rebounds to assist doesn't i pop at you but when you look at the plus-minus, and I know plus-minus is a flawed status, particularly particularly, specifically in a one-game scenario, uh, it's a flawed stat. But I think it is still an interesting stat nonetheless. Uh, plus-minus was the highest of anyone across both teams, and it was plus-18. Uh, he had three steals and a block. Uh, he did have five fouls, which isn't great, but I thought... His offensive impact was understated by the box score and that he was making well-timed cuts, uh, setting screens at the right time, making good passes, um, making the extra pass, knowing that he wasn't the shooter, uh, all the time. And, um, he was, his impact was mostly felt on the defensive side. Obviously he's one of the uh, better defenders in the league, um, but I thought he did a good job on offense. It wasn't the 15 points he got out of him last game. Role players do play better at home, um, but it was a good offensive game on top of a excellent defensive performance from him as well. So that's all I have to say on the Warriors uh, individually as players. Uh, when I get talk finished talking with kind of the uh, the individuals of the Celtics, then I'll kind of get into kind of more the flow of the game. What ag- what exactly happened. Um, So I want to start off with Jalen Brown. Uh, In my opinion, I think Jalen Brown was the best player of the series for the Celtics. Um, Tatum had some good games, uh, but there was definitely a lot of problems with him this game, this game in particular and across the series. Uh, But specifically in this game, Jalen Brown um, was incredible. Uh, 34 points, 7 rebounds, 3 assists, 5 threes. Um... He was did it efficiently. Fifty-two or twelve of twenty-three from the field. Five of eleven from three. Uh, He was he was good. I mean, he did have five turnovers, but what Celtic that started didn't have uh, five turnovers. The the answer is uh, three of them, but they were all pretty close. Um, (laughs) Jalen Brown was the was the engine for the most of the time. He was I wouldn't say maybe not the engine, maybe the it's more like the gas pedal, like we all. I remember sp- uh, specifically in that uh, the game one at the start of the fourth quarter where he sparked that fourth quarter run. Um, there are other moments in this in the series where he sparks them at times. There were times in this game where the Warriors would go on one of their super big runs, and Jalen Brown puts a stop to the bleeding and which puts them in position for their other guys to step in and. Uh, make, it a, make it a game, give themselves a chance to claw back. It would always start with Jalen Brown giving them uh, a second chance, injecting some life into them with uh, uh, pull-up iso, pull-up jumper, pull-up, uh, you know, it wasn't always just pull-ups, but he did, he could get to the rim. Uh, he was uh, doing shooting well from three, five threes. He had a lot of answers to the Warriors' defense, and I thought if the Celtics had won, this game and uh, subsequently the uh, the next game, game seven. I thought he would have been. I think he would have been the um, the finals MVP. And I don't think. I think they might have given uh, the deserving finals MVP. I think they might have given it to Jason Tatum just because uh, he's the name. He would have been the marketable one. That's not really a question. That's not really an argument at all anymore, um, because they did not win. So you can't. It's it's just a hypothetical so it's not really that important, and it's not, um, it's just not important, so I guess I won't dwell too long on it, but I really did, I was super impressed with Jalen Brown this whole series, um, you could say Tatum was hurt, and, um, I would agree with that to a point, but at the same time, we did not give the same level of excuse for guys like Jimmy Butler, Giannis, KD, um, KD probably wasn't hurt because it was the first round of the playoffs, but there was definitely some injury stuff being thrown around for Giannis and, and Jimmy Butler, who struggled against the Celtics, but also were incredible against certain games against the Celtics. Giannis was incredible the whole time. I don't think he ever struggled. Jimmy Butler, though, definitely had some off games as well as uh, master classes. But we didn't for the guys that the Celtics faced, we did not give them any benefit of the doubt of that oh well Giannis is or Jimmy Butler's not performing well in this game because he's clearly hurt we were like Jimmy Butler has scored more than six points <laughs> it was just plain and simple it wasn't it well there was no level of of that of giving it to them for that um but Tatum struggled a lot this game this game in particular uh, he had some good shot making in other games as well as some good facilitating um but some of his some of his facilitating was negated by all of his turnovers, all of his inability to get to the rim and finish. That was a consistent thing in the series, which most people are going to chalk up to injury, I assume, because that is not what he did most of these playoffs. Which I think would be a fair thing. Um, but this is something you gotta you gotta do better. You gotta be better at. Um, you hope that he doesn't get injured like that again. Doesn't hope hope that he does. He's not hurt like that in that same shoulder. But there are clearly times where he got all the way to the rim. Like, he got past Steph Curry, who was guarding him on a post-up, who had been defending him well, got past him, and then got right to the rim and just couldn't finish, partially because there was some good help defense. But also, he's Jason Tatum. He's a giant, and he's got one of the best he, – he's one of the better finishers at the rim, or has been uh, for a little bit now, I think. The, I don't have any numbers to back that up. But when you see his size and – his, um, guard like abilities at time, you have to assume you have to hope for a guy that was an all, uh, first team, all NBA, that he's one of the better finishers. Um, so I, I would chalk it up mostly to injury, but, uh, you have, you have to, you have to be better than that. Uh, let me get, say his uh, stat line in this game real quick. 13 points, three steals, seven assists, six of 18 from the field. One of four from three, no free throws attempted. That tells me what I w- that confirms my suspicions on, um, his uh, inability to get to drive to the basket, especially finishing. But he wasn't driving with purpose. He was not driving um, hard to finish. He was trying to draw fouls, and that didn't work. <laughs> the refs, the refs were uh, hard on the whistle this whole game. Uh, the, the Warriors only shot eight free throws the whole game. The Celtics only shot 12. Um, I don't know what the average number is, but I remember the, the Warriors didn't shoot a free throw, I think, until like the second half. Uh, so that was pretty wild. That was pretty wild. But what that tells me is that the fact that Jason Tatum had zero in a game, zero free throws attempted in a game where there were not that many shot. Um, but when guys like Jalen Brown did, Jalen Brown was Driving hard to the rim, and he got six free throws. He got six of the Celtics' twelve free throws. Jason Tatum was driving, drawing, trying to draw fouls, and was unable to, which just tells me that he was more just, I guess, flopping is the right word, rather than um, trying to really, really, you know, score it's what you're supposed to do at the basket, score when you're an NBA player, when you're first team all in the NBA. Um, and then I mentioned earlier to. Uh, the Warriors' uh, good bench scoring that they got from guys like um, Jordan Poole and then in spot moments, uh, Gary Payton, uh, the Celtics didn't get any of that. It was their starters, and that was it. That was it, and they didn't get a whole bunch from their starters either. They really only got two, a game from Al Horford, who I'm going to talk about in a moment, as one of the better players for the Celtics, and Jalen Brown. The other guys weren't there on offense. Robert Williams had a great game. Um, five blocks, but um, offensively, you didn't get much out of guys like Robert Williams. You got ten points, but you need a little bit more when no one else besides Jalen Brown has above twenty, especially from your starters. But when you go to your bench, who Derek White has been kind of up and down. He's been kind of trending downward the last couple of games, but there were games early on in the series and in the playoffs, and as in general. Uh, against Miami, he was hitting some threes and having some good offensive outputs. And in game one, especially of this series, where he was balling out, he was getting to the basket, um, shooting lots of threes, defending. He was a very important player, not just on defense, but his offensive impact was, was pretty incredible for someone that had not been an offensive threat for most of the season. But it kind of caught up to him in these last couple of games, one point last game uh, two points this game, 1 of 6 from the field, 0 of 2 from 3. Uh, it really, he, you couldn't feel his impact out there. Uh, Peyton Pritchard was like, I don't know what the heck Peyton Pritchard was out there for. I don't remember this. It says he got an offensive rebound. I want to know what that play looked like because <laughs> what is Peyton Pritchard doing getting an offensive? It had to have been like a long rebound, right? He didn't like box someone out. I would remember that if he did. But Peyton Pritchard was basically like a Tony Snell game of all zeroes. Zero points, um, zero blocks, zero steals, one assist, one rebound. Oh, wow. He was really putting up numbers out there. He didn't have a great game. Um, he had He's had moments in the playoffs off uh, against Miami especially where he kind of turned into the bench scorer. In this series, what was he? Nothing. He would get minutes, and it would feel like he would either get hunted or he would just kind of float into nothingness and i would feel like i wouldn't even remember he was out there especially and same can kind of be said for grant williams who had one moment in this game he had one transition layup his only basket of the game um that was his only moment uh, that's what makes me don't not forget don't not forget that's what makes me not forget him in this game if he doesn't have that one transition play where he where i think his layup cuts it to 8 because it's not even of his own volition. Like, he didn't do something in the half court uh, that he earned himself by creating the bucket or something like that, by playing off of it. It was something where someone passed to him in transition, and he got a layup and got fouled, and he cut his free throw, uh, cut it to eight after the and one. Uh, if that didn't happen, I would have just forgot he was out there. Um, and obviously, you need more from your uh, starters uh, because they're more important. They've been playing heavy minutes for you for... This, enti- this entire playoff run, but you want more than uh, five bench points, if I'm doing my math here, two points from Derek White, three points from Graham Williams, and you can't even add up any of the uh, the absolute bench guys at the very end who had zero points, so it was five bench points, that sucks, <laughs> that's terrible, That's that's bad, that's not good compared to you had five bench points combined from your uh, three main bench guys for the Celtics, and for the Warriors, you had one guy who had 15 points off the bench. And then you had Gary Payton come in and score six. 21, points to, five ben- 21 to five bench points for Warriors versus Celtics. That's ridiculous. For Derek White, who had had Jordan Poole-type three-point shooting games, you know where he hits. He had he hit five threes in game one. For that to be nothing, uh, that's pretty that's pretty bad. Um, next, I want to talk about Al Horford, uh, the only other guy to show up for um, for the Celtics on the offensive end. Uh, four threes. I tweeted about it from the Hoop Show account. Uh, he hit three straight threes, and it was a pretty wild sequence because it was like basically Al Horford just like throwing haymakers. At like if he was like an Avenger, he'd be him like throwing all his haymakers at Thanos or something. The Warriors were just coming down on him. Um, Curry was hitting step back threes. He hit like three threes of back to back of back to back to back of his own, combined with Otto Porter hitting a couple threes. Um, they were just th- they were like just eating uh, Al Horford's threes, but Al Horford himself was just throwing haymakers at him. Uh, he, he had a great game. He only took eight shots, but he had nineteen points, which is pretty incredible. And then, defensively, he was um, pretty impactful too. Excuse me, um, he had twelve or uh, two steals, one block. Uh, but really, what tells the story for me about Al Horford was the fourteen rebounds. Um, the 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 shooting was impressive and was undoubtedly the most impactful thing of the night. But I think um, kind of the underrated thing for him was the fourteen rebounds. Um, they were getting killed on the boards a lot in this game, especially on the offensive end. Most of his rebounds were defensive rebounds, but him getting 14 rebounds was the, him giving them a fighting chance in a game where most of the time they looked uh, killed. They looked terrible, not terrible, but there were moments where they looked bad, and they were down. They were down bad, and they were looking pretty, pretty distraught. And Al Horford comes in as this vet who has never been to the finals before. Uh, in his whole career, he's been a great player and he's trying to save them. Uh, credit to Al Horford in this game, not credit to his sister who consistently tweets out random stuff, this the most insane stuff. No shout outs to her. Uh, Unshout out to her. the Whatever the opposite of a shout out is, a a whisper down <laughs> at uh, whatever his his tw- uh, his sister's Twitter account. for being um, insane, (laughs) for being insane. Um, Shout out to Al Horford, though. Uh, Big Al. Um, And then last thing I want to talk about individually for the Celtics was Marcus Smart's flopping. Um, Listen, I've said it before that I'm not one of these, like, oh, the game is is bad. These flopping guys are, you know. Uh, I'm not, like, crazy like that about it. I understand it's bad, obviously, but I'm not just raging about it at all times. Marcus Smart is turning me into one of those guys. Like, it's just insufferable watching him play sometimes of, like, the constant. Like, he, he can get any bit of contact on him, and he not just, like, slings his head back. He, like, slings his whole body back, and then he immediately gets back into a defensive stance, if they don't call it, because he's like, it's not real. <laughs> it's It's acting. It's acting and he'll fall onto the floor, he'll do all these things, and then immediately get back up, and it's just infuriating. And it, normally, it's just it's just hard to watch. This game, it was actively hurting his team at times, where he would uh, foul, or he would flop, and they would not call it, and he'd give up a, a layup or something, give up some, some uh, offensive move from the Warriors, because he's just on the ground. <laughs> And there were other times where he tried to flop, and uh, it was an offensive foul, and it's a turnover, and that sucks for him, and it got him into foul trouble. He had five fouls this game, or no, he had um, no, yeah, he had five fouls. Um, it was just it's just rough to watch. He's one of their better. He was probably across all of the of the six games was probably their third best player. If it goes, uh, J B Tatum. And then smart. And then, you know, you could probably make an argument for four between Horford, Williams, and that's it. That was That's really about it. Uh, Derek White, I guess, on his best days. But um, so those were kind of my, my, my thoughts on the individual players' performances. Um, let's talk a little bit about the flow of this game. Uh, the Warriors came out, and they were down 10 pretty early. Uh, 20, it was like 12 uh, 14 to 2, so they were around 12 early actually. And they end that first quarter on a big run and they go they finally um, on the strength of like all these threes from uh, Curry and Poole and Draymond at one point, <laughs> um, they get their way back up and they're up by five. it's a pretty big quarter to uh, or start of the quarter to end of the quarter swing. Where in the first opening minutes it looks like the Celtics are gonna run away with it, and then by the end of the quarter you're thinking, oh the Warriors are in the middle of a giant run, which they were. They would stretch that out to a 21 to nothing run, uh, going into that second quarter. Uh, the Celtics would eventually um, get back in it a little bit, um, but it was it was for the most part um, in that second quarter. Um, a lot of warriors. It was it was mostly a warriors half. It was a lot of uh, defense from them. A lot of just bad offense from those the Celtics too. It was a fairly low scoring half, um, if I'm not if I'm remembering correctly. Uh, I think it was like something like fifty five to thirty nine, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, fifty four to thirty nine. Um, the big stat was they ended the first half on a fifty two to twenty five run. Uh, the Warriors did. Um, which was incredible. Um, it was just one of the biggest, just just turnaround, just quick turnarounds too. Not like a uh, um, like in a second half turnaround where a team gets that chance to like go to their adjustments, talk it over at halftime, figure out the problem. It was like, oh, we just got to turn the switch around, and they did, and they just never let up for most for that entire um, after the first seven minutes. Uh, or the first, I guess, uh, I guess five minutes of the first quarter, at about the seven point mark, seven minute mark, that's when they just turned turned the switch around and they got going. Um, so after that, um, in the third quarter, this is when we have the Horford throwing his haymaker. This is like the most competitive quarter out of all of them, um, where it looks like the Celtics are clawing their way back into it. And the Warriors are punching them right back, but the Celtics are overall kind of taking a little bit of a, you know, just getting taking an inch back every single time that they would hit that they would do something good, Uh, just crawl a little bit closer. Uh, They cut it to eight at one point in this quarter. Um, but in the fourth quarter, start of the fourth quarter, it's seventy six to sixty six. So it goes from like, uh, Celtics are gonna win this game to Warriors are going to win this game, to uh, it's a close game, Warriors are up, who knows what could happen, this is the fourth quarter, the Celtics have had big fourth quarters before, and um, the Warriors just start running away with it at some point. Uh, There was definitely some moments where the Celtics kept it a little close, where the Warriors had to keep in their starters just an extra couple minutes longer, but really this was the Warriors game to lose after that initial uh, going down moment in the first quarter. Uh Curry was ISOing, they weren't sending help. Uh, blowing by smart. Um, you know, he Curry was closing out this game. For whatever you want to say about Curry, there's a lot of people in the world who believe he's not clutch, who believe he is not a fourth quarter performer, a not a all time great uh, finisher of games. Uh, but for whatever you want to say about him historically in this game particularly, um he was the closer for them. He was hitting shots. He was getting to the. He was getting layups wherever he wanted, uh, whenever he wanted to. Uh, his defense. Uh, I wanted to make a point of that too. Um, I had written down here earlier. I hadn't mentioned. I meant to talk about it more. And his um, the evolution of Steph as a defender and how that's part of his ethos as a player now. Um, you can't mention how good Steph Curry is anymore without mentioning. How good he is on defense. Um, he's sure you know he's he doesn't have the Marcus Smart like body, uh, the, the the athleticism, the the heftiness, the big the biggerness that he is. Marcus Smart Marcus Smart is just a physically bigger guy than um, Steph Curry is. But Steph Curry is strong. He is um, incredibly uh, cerebral. Same things we would say about Draymond on the defensive end. He's like that from the point guard position. He is so good at. Uh, picking off passes, reading where the eyes of where someone's going to pass, and then just getting there, swiping away. I mean, he had moments where he defended Horford. Horford had like a Ben Simmons moment where he backed down Steph and passed out of it because he, don't get me wrong, Al Horford physically moved him, but Steph was like, was was hounding him with his hands where he was able to, you know, kind of get in Al's head and make him pass even though he had a point-blank layup. Um, There are times where Jason Tatum uh, posted up on Steph Curry, and um, Steph won those battles. Um, Steph has become so much on the defensive end. He is still evolving at like age 34, which is incredible. He's only getting better. Um, His offense is still otherworldly. He's still the chef. He's still all these things that we remember him for being, this crazy offensive threat. But now, on top of all of that, he is one of the, I won't say like all defensive. There's, there are some Warriors fans out there who, before he got hurt, were making the all defensive agenda case. Uh, I won't go that far. Uh, but I will, I will say that watching him on defense, what, being, being how good he was on offense, and on top of that being a net, not just positive, but like above average positive on defense, was pretty great to watch uh seeing that evolution for him knowing that he's never been a bad defender but he's always been kind of a neutral defender but now that he is making a great impact on the game from both ends he's legitimately a two-way player uh, you <laughs> if we're gonna say that he might just be the best two-way player in the league uh which might throw some people into a, a hissy fit um but Steph Curry his defense was incredible um he was forcing a lot of the turnovers that the Celtics got and then ended up uh, hitting some of the big shots to put him away. Uh, I wrote in my notes, Curry 3, Mike Breen, bang, 96-81 with 3.10 left. And that's when uh, I wrote, might be wraps. Wiggins hits another 3, which officially makes it a 13-point game with another minute 12 left. Boston throws in the towel, empties the bench, and that ends the game. And that gets us to about where we are. Curry goes onto the, the stage, you know, accepts his finals MVP. Um, I said in the intro we'd find out if Aisha Curry can still cook. I'm going to guess probably so because she's obviously putting something, um, putting some nasty, some great food. I almost said nasty in, like, the context of, like, basketball nasty. Like, ooh, that guy's nasty, you know. Like, on the court, nasty, not like, oh, he's gross. But her food is probably incredible because it fuels Steph Curry. Um, <laughs> Boston fans, um, I implore you to probably tell Jason Tatum to eat some of Aisha Curry's cooking, probably. I don't know if that's true or not. That her reali- the, the little reality show thing they did at All-Star Weekend has left a bad taste in my mouth, ironically enough. <laughs> uh, no pun intended. And, um, pun intended. And, um, so maybe, yeah, maybe her cooking does suck. But it did, it does fuel Steph Curry, so I'm a little skeptical if it does actually suck or not. The question has not been an a- an answered. We need some true crime person out there uh, to get to the bottom of I- if Aisha Curry's food is good or not. Because Boston fans are claiming it's not. I'm confused. We need to get to the bottom of this gang. Um, I also said, is the guy who got the tattoo of the, the Celtics championship banner 2022. Uh, is he doing okay? I guarantee you he's not. Boston is a lonely place. <laughs> it's actually very... It's not lonely. It's, um... I assume. I've never been. <laughs> I'm going to assume it's not a very lonely place just because of how many people live there. But it's probably a very lonely place for him right now. I if Stay with your family and friends. If If on the off chance, if you're the tattoo guy out there listening, uh, stay with your family, and your friends, uh, they're going to help you get through this tough time, um, I would start thinking of some cool paintings you like, and some cool art, maybe, some of your most prized possessions, and see if you want to, you know, get them in a rectangular shape, and put them on your arm over the old tattoo, you know, something like that, maybe, or maybe you just want to live with it, you know, talk to your family, your friends, talk to a therapist, talk to professionals, stay okay, we're, we're, we're out there with you, Tattoo Man, Celtics Tattoo Banner Man, we're out there for you, um, but once again, um, once again, I, I haven't even done the, the outro officially yet, if you didn't get it by now, um, the episode, I'm gonna start closing this episode down, but before we do, I want to mention, um, couple things, um, so I, I won't take a hiatus yet, but um, I will be going on a little trip here pretty soon, so uh, during that time I'll try to pre-record one and uh, get it ready out for you. It'll probably be the draft episode, um, so I'm not sure exactly what the next episode will be about, but um, there'll probably be a little bit of bre- more of a break in time between this episode and the next one. Um, but there will, hopefully there will be, it'll be kind of more back to the, uh, the normal upload schedule of Wednesdays and Saturdays. Um, it's, I changed a little bit with the finals cause these were important, uh, episodes to get out on time. So, um, uh, that's what's upcoming for the podcast. Um, if, if that was confusing, I know I probably didn't explain it that well. It's late at night. Um, then I'm going to say... Uh, follow the the socials uh, at hoops underscore show on Twitter, uh, at hoops underscore show underscore pod on Instagram. Um, I'll definitely be updating uh, when episodes are coming out on there. Um, when you know what the plan is, I guess if I if I think to do that there. Um, any questions you guys have for that? Then you can throw that out there too. Um, so yeah. Uh, on the Twitter tonight, I was kind of more of doing a live-tweeting thing, so I'm, de- I'm doing that on the Twitter account more. Instagram is more just like for um, episode-breaking news and uh, a little bit more fun stuff there, um, fun stuff with the the posts. Uh, check it out. Um, that's going to do it for this episode, everybody. Uh, congratulations to the Golden State Warriors. Uh, congratulations to Draymond Green, who is probably recording the best episode of a podcast ever. Um, second to this one, obviously, uh, <laughs> that's not true. I'm going to. I want to see when he posts that because I was. I, I think I posed the question in the last one. What is he going to do? Is he going to record in the locker room? Is he going to wait till he gets home? Is he going to wait till, you know, they're done partying out on the, out on the town? What's the podcast situation? The world is dying to know, and the world is me. I want to know, Draymond. Where is the podcast? <laughs> what are we doing? Um. But anyway. Uh, Thank you all for listening uh, once again, and I'm going to say it correctly this time, signing off. Peace out, everybody. Have a good day.